How's everybody doing today? Thank you for tuning into what is pretty much the first official episode of Imano Talk. Uh, in this episode, we are actually going to dive into the wrestling side of things, a big week in wrestling coming up. I want to introduce everybody to my co-host, Kevin. Say what's up to the people, Kev. How's it going? Well, yeah, Kevin is uh, pretty much my right-hand man when it comes to wrestling. We've been watching wrestling together, actually, since we were kids, pretty much. Um, and yeah, we pretty much just shoot the shit all day when it comes to wrestling. We're always talking, whether it's DMing on Twitter, uh, texting, calling, whatever the case is. Uh, so we decided, you know, to initially start up a podcast called Smartcast Wrestling. Uh, but we decided to enter into Imano Talk to assure that, you know, everybody gets their taste in wrestling on a consistent basis. Nonetheless, uh, let's jump right in. Kev, we got a big week in wrestling up ahead of us. I mean, we, you know, we had Monday Night Raw last night, a quote-unquote season premiere, but I still don't understand how you have a season premiere on a show that has never ended. Um, and then, you know, this week we got NXT going head-to-head with the debut of AEW Wednesday Night Dynamite, and SmackDown also will premiere on Fox. How are you feeling about just knowing what is to come this week? It'll definitely be an interesting week. Um, I mean, based off of Raw yesterday, I mean, it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens. I don't know. I'm not going to keep my expectations um, that high. I'm going to, you know, kind of keep it a little reasonable there. But we'll see what happens. I think SmackDown, though, and NXT for sure should be promising. AEW, uh, I think it's going to be good. But uh, it's got a lot of hype right now. And it'll just be interesting to see how many viewers they pull in for that debut show as well, especially compared to NXT. Yeah, absolutely. NXT is coming at them with a great card. So, I mean, it's hard to see how they're going to put up crazy numbers. But, you know, I still think that they're going to be able to pull it off. But let's let's not start there. You know, let's save AEW for a little bit later in the show. Uh, we'll start off with yesterday's events. We had Monday Night Raw with their season premiere last night. Uh, they had a new announced team with Dio Madden. Uh, what, what was the second guy's name? I know we had Jerry Lawler and then um, who, Vic who Joseph. The third guy? Vic Joseph. Yeah, that's his name. I always forget. I always get him and uh, Tom Phillips confused. But I know Tom Phillips has been removed off commentary and now it's Dio Madden, uh, Vic Joseph, and for a temporary amount of time, the King Jerry Lawler. I mean, you know, it was somewhat good to have Jerry Lawler back, but he started saying some weird things in the midst of all the commentary. But I really enjoyed the combination of Dio Madden and Vic Joseph. I think they just need a little more time to gain some chemistry together to figure out, you know, who kind of like antagonizes the heels and who is really the one, you know, playing the face side of things. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, I, st- I, th- I still thought they had a solid first show together. How are you feeling about the new commentary? I'm not going to lie. I actually kind of like the new commentary. Um, it's definitely a nice fresh start from Michael Cole and Corey Graves commentary. Um, obviously we're still going to get them on SmackDown. It is what it is, but for it just even not being on raw, I'm, I'm already liking it. Vic Joseph is a lot more, uh, he's just easier to listen to. Honestly, I don't know what it is. I think he just, he has a way of actually calling moves for what they are a lot more often. I think that's what it is. And just hearing the new voice, you know, we've been hearing Michael Cole for so long as the, lead announcer that it's just kind of nice to have someone who's not as corny or goofy and taking it over the top with everything um so i really like him there jerry Lawler, i don't have a problem with honestly i get why people don't like him 
and they thought that he might not be the best choice for right now because it's kind of um, an outdated pick. But I think he, he did, honestly, an okay job. Even though, yeah, he did obviously have some fumbles and all that. It's expected, with especially with a lot of these uh, older guys who either have commentated for WWE or wrestled for WWE, you know, whether it be him or Booker T. Um, but I think it, it, he also has a personality and, and a character to him. So uh, he obviously has dialed it back with, like, his aggressive just weird overall nature. Uh, he still has his, you know, quirky side of, of him, but it's definitely dealt back, I've noticed. So, you know, I don't I don't think it was that bad, honestly. Uh, and Dio Madden, maybe he'll find this place. I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't turn out like a David Otunga. Um, I thought he was kind of forgettable, honestly, if I'm being honest, but um, I do want to give him time to, to see what he can do because I, I, I think he was, he was fine, you know. Um, nothing outright wrong with him, but, um, you know, he was kind of there for me. Yeah, agreed. You know, like when I listen to them, it's like, all right, this is a solid start. Like this is a starting point for them. But, you know, we're moving into the future. Hopefully, you know, as things progress, we start to see them develop that chemistry and they get a, you know, a solid team going. I've been hearing that once the King is gone, they may be looking to move Nigel McGuinness into the Raw team. I think that would be a solid move. But, you know, I've also been hearing things such as like Mickey James potentially coming in and filling that third spot as well. You know, they're going to look to have that gender uh, diversity in there to assure that everybody's kind of having their opinion involved. That's interesting about Mickey James, though, because I um, I had I didn't hear about that at all, actually. So uh, yeah. that's interesting you bring that up. They've been uh, trying- and it would be nice if... if- Oh, I was gonna say they've been trying her on main event. I don't know if you've gotten to see any. I mean, I you know I don't see okay. the main event, but yeah, apparently like on main event they've been trying her out. Oh, okay, okay, uh, okay, yeah. So I def- then she probably will be at some point moving up to main roster. Um, that could be interesting. I haven't heard her at all on commentary, but I do like Nigel McGuinness and Vic Joseph as a team a lot. So I wouldn't mind them bringing uh, Nigel onto Raw at all. Yeah, I think that would be the the ideal move would be to bring in Nigel McGuinness because. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think maybe if it's his British accent or, you know, just the way he speaks, like he is really killer, like behind the booth. Um, so I would love to see him move in as the third man. But yeah. Let's... Yeah, he's one of my favorites that they have on WWE oh. as, on commentary. Hands down. Him and Moro, honestly, like I love them on NXT. Um, you know, it, it's just been something enjoyable. But I think Nigel would thrive way more in Raw. Um, but the yeah, show the show kicked off actually with uh, Rey Mysterio kind of oddly just coming out, which a lot of people thought. I mean, I know I thought at least that Rey was going to come out and kick off the show with his match against Seth. Um, but he came out, you know, and actually let me shout out the killer jacket he was wearing. He was wearing a, a tribute jacket to the match him and Eddie Guerrero had in 1997 at Halloween Havoc, the Phantom of the Opera match, as some people know it. Um, but yeah, the, the killer jacket, but aside the point, uh, Ray came out, he starts talking, doing his thing and out comes Brock Lesnar to everybody's surprise. Brock Lesnar comes out, F5's, uh, Ray. And, you know, they keep putting the focus on his son, Dominic, his son, Dominic. No one really expected this, but then Brock Lesnar went into the crowd and basically grabbed Dominic out the crowd and kicked the living shit out of both him and his dad repetitively. And essentially, uh, you know, Dominic was so hurt that he had to go to the hospital and yeah I mean you know you could see that Ray was worried as a father uh, but Brock came in and just really wreaked havoc and just showed that leading into Friday with his match against Kofi that he has the upper hand I don't know about you Um, I know I put it out on Twitter that um, when they showed the video of Dominic getting thrown into the turnbuckle I pretty much thought of back when we would watch Smackdown like way back when Brock took 
uh, Rey Mysterio and like F five him into the turnbuckle, like just like he would with a lot of other people and just destroyed Rey Mysterio. And I just put like father, like son, it reminded me of that kind of time. So actually to me, this was enjoyable, you know, to see Brock do because it wasn't somewhat typical Brock and it kind of like put a little more edge on Brock's character, especially leading into a title match. Yeah. So, I mean, I say it all the time. I grew up with the ruthless aggression era. So this opening to me made complete sense, honestly, just because this is what I'm used to. Um, this is what I grew up on. Rey Mysterio versus Brock Lesnar. Like I'm, I'm honestly not against it at all. Um, whether it just be for an angle, whether they turn it into a match, whatever the case may be, I'm, I like both of them and you can tell they both like each other a lot. So, you know, it's, you can always tell when Brock really uh, admires a wrestler because he just puts in way more. And so he puts everything into it. And I think that's what we saw yesterday, at least for me. I can understand why someone else might not like it, but I liked it. And I think it was the combination of that and the new stage and the pyro being back. I, I was honestly in a good mood watching this. So I liked it. Oh, I almost forgot the new stage. I love the new stage. I don't know about you. I really me love too. the new stage. Like it looks like a mini WrestleMania stage. I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. And I love, um, Miz's and Seth Rollins entrances. I thought they were like very like thorough with the stage and how they blend in. I thought it was great. Um, but you know, it, this is only the tip of the iceberg. Let's see what we got on Saturday. I'm sorry, on Friday, uh, with SmackDown. You know, we got The Rock coming out there. Uh, that got announced, but we'll talk about that also down the line. Um, but after you know, Brock wreaked havoc and completely destroyed the entire Mysterio family. At that point, uh, we had Alexa Bliss versus Sasha Banks. Becky Lynch went out to do commentary um you know alexa was giving you know sasha a pretty fair fight uh but then sasha you know kind of just came out of nowhere and took over with a running knee and you know just ended the match from there because yeah i mean that's what she does she's been kind of playing like the heel side of things while still trying to get everybody to you know give her that boss like love but you know she's really trying to push like to get that heel like fire that that heat um but i like what sasha's been doing I don't know about you, but she kind of, you know, got that dirty pin with the handful of tights. Um, how'd you feel about this match? Uh, I thought the match could have been a lot better, considering what, especially Alexa is capable of. Um, Sasha is definitely in the in, in the right role, being the heel, but. Um, I definitely think this could have been a better match, a better ending. I think Alexa looked weak coming out of this. Um, I don't think it really did much for Sasha winning like that. Like, it didn't really, to me, draw a lot of heat or anything like that. So I just thought it was kind of there. And it. I, th- I thought it could have been a lot better, honestly. That's These are two of your biggest stars in the women's division. So I think this is something that could potentially be, uh, like, another pay-per-view main event for the women's division i don't see why not because they're both so popular with the entire wrestling community honestly yeah i definitely thought this one was pretty dull uh it definitely didn't have the entertainment value i thought it would you know it, it did somewhat of the job for sasha and trying to push her toward that heel lane uh but you know after the matches really where things kind of started to pop off because becky lynch came on down to the ring they started fighting a little bit uh, Sasha escaped, you know, and she went into the crowd and Becky basically told her she can't run when she's in the cage when they fight at Hell in a Cell on Sunday. And uh, we'll actually even bring up our Hell in a Cell predictions uh, real quick at the end of the show. 
But yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like the job got done as far as that went. But we'll keep moving forward from there because the next thing that we got to see, actually, um, you know, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode ended up coming out. Um, you know, they come back and, you know, actually before they came back, they started hyping up the return of The Rock. Um, let's see here. And then it was Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. They faced off against Heavy Machinery for the tag team titles. I honestly, you know, went into this match hoping that Heavy Machinery would get their moment, but with the expectations of knowing uh, of what happened next, which was that Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode picked up the victory. I did like this match. Uh, It progressed very well, and it wasn't like, you know, the victory wasn't believable. I really like how they ended up finishing the match. Um, You know, tossing Otis out the ring. Uh, Tucky already got, you know, super kicked once he got super kicked again and then robert root hit him with the glorious ddt you know was it an extraordinary match or a pay-per-view caliber match wasn't no um it wasn't at all but you know at the end of the day i still enjoyed this match i thought it was a great match for what it was on raw uh but yeah you know we could have definitely got more had this been on like a pay-per-view or something like that Yeah, so, I mean, I don't have too much to say about this match. Just two things, pretty much. Uh, one is that Bobby Roode's entrance definitely needs pyro. Um, it's perfect for pyro, and I don't know I, why I was so upset about that. I was so upset about that. You would think of one guy with the entrance song that he has that they would definitely get that. Yeah, like, that would he be so perfect. It. Him and Ricochet, we'll get into it later, but, yeah, they both need it really badly um and then the second thing was um honestly yeah this match was whatever to me but i really appreciated the fact that like the way uh dolph and and bobby uh finished the match i thought it was really impressive honestly i always like it when they let like um and i don't want to call them smaller guys but he, in this case they are smaller guys even though they're not really small to me um uh, especially bobby uh, they let them be a bigger guy in like a clean way like uh, I mean, I don't remember them doing anything dirty, really. They might have, like, uh, like you know, used a rope or something or, like, low-blowed, something like that, and I missed it. But, like, as I, as far as, like, the actual finish goes, from what I can remember, um, when Bobby hit his finisher, I thought that was impressive that he was able to hit it on Tucker because, like, he's a pretty big guy. So, like, obviously he helps him, uh, you know, sell it, and, like, he'll lift up his weight. But still, he's pretty big. So I just thought it's impressive that, like, they actually – for once let a smaller guy be a bigger guy clean like that with their, yeah just their i did finisher. like that because they're really starting to stray away from that idea like just because they're bigger you know that they can't be taken down i mean when you and i were growing up on wrestling especially in like the ruthless aggression era that came about the time where like the small guy actually had impact and that no matter who they were fighting like if they found a way to take them down and made it believable it worked and, you know, in this case, Robert Roode hitting that glorious DDT, it definitely worked. It wasn't like it was, like, unbelievable. I definitely loved how it worked out because, you know, he was pretty much stunned from the super kick previously, and then Robert Roode was able to come in with the kick to the gut and hit the finisher on him. Um, but right after that, actually, um, a lot of people were looking forward to this the most because no one knew what to expect of it. We had Miz TV. Uh, we had... <clears throat> We had them come out uh, with Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, uh, which that is a combustible duo right there. Ric Flair, I feel, you know, when he came out, I love Ric Flair's energy. Let me let me first say this. I loved Ric Flair's energy. He came out there, you know, you know, the biggest smile on his face. You could literally tell how much he loves being in front of that crowd and in that ring. So don't take it away from Ric Flair from what I'm about to say. But 
you could tell like his time is definitely up. He just goes out there and he just like kind of loses himself and he goes with the flow, which is great for when he was in his prime. But, you know, he's kind of at an age now where like you could tell he's like almost overdoing it on himself. Um, and I hated the fact that in the middle of this, the crowd literally started chanting one more match. Like, what do you expect of these two guys? Like, do you really think they're both going to come back and actually have a fucking match? That's not going to happen. And then, you know, again, I like how Hogan sounds still. He still sounds believable with his energy. It's not like he's going too far over the top. In fact, I even said Hogan actually looks like he actually could potentially put on one more match. Would it be a five-star phenomenal match, you know, or would he be able to do a whole lot? Probably not. But, you know, maybe if it's like a tag team match with somebody younger and he only came in and took a few spots, he could probably get through the match. You know, I don't know how you feel about that, but I think Hulk, uh, you know, definitely may have that in him. But at the end of the day, when Miss TV ended, it was announced that it would be Team Flair with five, you know, competitors versus Team Hogan with five competitors at Crown Jewel. Of course, they want, you know, the old guys out there. Um, but how did you feel about this whole process? Well, the first thing was that Miz said Ric Flair is a 16-time champion. And then on Ric Flair's Titantron entrance, it said he's a 17-time champion. So I'm pretty sure he's 16-time last time I checked. Yeah, it's but, 16. I don't know where the 17 came from, but somebody definitely yeah. has to fix that shit. Yeah, that was just odd. And it, just the fact that it was like very, it was just plain in sight the entire time. It was like, my god like they're not even gonna like pan away to it or anything you know but, vince was cringing yeah man uh anyway um and then yeah like so that pop was crazy for like when they announced that they uh, the one more match teasing that that was like i was not expecting that reaction at all especially from an audience who's normally so anti like uh legends or old wrestlers fighting again like I, I I just especially with Ric Flair's like near death experience. I just there's no way you can put him in that ring again. Are you fucking kidding me? There's he will never be cleared by WWE. Well, I mean, not only WWE, but like you know his own personal doctors. Like no doctor would ever clear oh, yeah, him. Obviously, but yeah, yeah. I just because, <laughs> but no one's gonna book this match. Like, and, and I mean, Hulk Hogan. There's, I, I highly doubt that he'll be able to to wrestle. It's like you said, if he does, it's gonna be one of those things where it's gonna be someone helping him out and taking most of the spots for the match, and he's gonna get something. But they're not gonna like hurt him, you know. There's the if if he does do a match, but it would have to be they have to plan that carefully if they're gonna do that, and it has to be to the right crowd. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, like, if anything, like, weird, you know, Hogan would be the one to take the bump if a bump is even taken between the two of them. Um, and, you know, th they're just simply there for energy. You know, that Saudi crowd just wants someone like a Hogan or a Ric Flair to just show up. So this way they actually know who's in the ring, because the last time any of them pretty much watch wrestling, aside from the children out there, was probably like back in the 70s and 80s. I'm just making it clear. I I do not think Ric Flair will ever take a bump. Like, he cannot take, like, a real bump. Like, it'd have to be, like, the bump he took from Batista, where it just, it shows him backstage hurt, but he's not on camera actually getting hurt. That's yeah, of course. that That's more believable than anything. Like, if they, they already know if they try to, you know, do any bumps with him, like, that's already a risk that they're looking to take. And I think they already abused enough, you know, elderly people when it came to like when Mae Young and the fabulous Moolah were around back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but they actually announced their first couple of picks each team. 
you know, you had uh, Hulk Hogan announce that the Universal Champion Seth Rollins will be his first pick and his team captain, while Flair obviously chose uh, Randy Orton, you know, going back to his evolution roots. And then, although these two technically weren't announced, um, Randy Orton was saved after, you know, him and Seth Rollins, actually, I'm sorry, let me go back. Seth Rollins and him were about to have a match. And then I don't really understand where it went wrong. I, I just think it like all hub broke loose kind of situation. But Baron Corbin ended up coming on out and Rusev ended up coming on out. Rusev to the aid of Seth Rollins, Baron Cor- Corbin to the aid of Randy Orton. But then later on, as we kept going, right, Rusev is interviewed backstage and they ask him, you know, about what's going on. Like, where's Lana? He won't answer it. And then they go, you know, you're on uh, Seth Rollins' team, all that stuff. And he goes, you know what? Like, fuck that. I want a universal championship match against Seth Rollins. He needs an opponent. I'm here for that. And they ended up making that match official. Uh, I think, you know, you and I could both agree that Rusev, it's easy to tell that he was easily taking that loss when that happened. Uh, there's there's no way like he was going to win the universal title, but we'll get onto that in a little bit. The next match we actually saw was the OC versus Viking Raiders, um, and that match actually ended with the Viking Raiders winning again because didn't they just face each other last week? Yeah, and uh, you know the only enjoyable thing about this now is the fact that I get to hear the OC's uh, new music every week. But I think it's time to put the Viking Raiders up for a title, you know, match. I think they deserve it at this point they just continue to have like i don't want to say this was a squash match but they had all those squash matches and then now they're having these matches and they're just burying the oc which i would love to see the oc remain with some form of momentum you know it doesn't have to mean that they have titles but at least like put them up against someone else like aop because aop needs to come back you know put them up against aop let them like beat aop once or let aop beat them and then they beat aop let them go a little back and forth so they keep that momentum and put the viking raiders up against the uh you know bobby rude and uh dolph ziggler for the titles but how did you feel about this match yeah uh, i actually enjoyed the match honestly um viking raiders it i'm not gonna go on about it but like the, the name change obviously killed their momentum to me and everything but still i'm, I'm liking their matches that that match was enjoyable for me um, I, I cannot wait to the day we get to see them face AOP. I think that's going to be really, really, really good. I actually can't wait for AOP to come back. The promos they've been putting out have actually been pretty enjoyable. It's making them, you know, it, it adds a little more character to who they are. Cause remember before they wouldn't really speak. They would just shout like barbarians, but I really like what you know these promos are doing for are doing for them because it shows like some form of like versatility because you know they are international superstars to an extent. I'm pretty sure I think it was that they're Albanian, um, so you know they get to go out there and kind of have that Albanian gangster sort of vibe to them. Uh, so I can't wait to see that match either. I think that would actually be a great matchup. Yeah, and I actually I actually think that they uh, have been presented better on main roster than on NXT. I'm, I'm really liking these promos a lot more than the way they were doing the promos on NXT. Yeah, I think it's doing them a whole lot of justice. And, like, they really needed it because they were getting buried for the longest time. Like, yeah. it was so bad. Like, I really thought they were going to be, like, the next Ascension. Yeah. Um, But next thing we see is that Cesaro is in the back. Um, Well, before that, they say that Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar want to make an announcement in a little bit. But then they start interviewing Cesaro. Cesaro starts disrespecting Rey Mysterio. 
Ricochet pops out. They end up having a match. Um, you know, it was pretty, it seemed pretty quick. Um, but you know, it was just really kind of like fast for Ricochet because he just kind of hit a springboard Dragon Rana somewhat like a West Coast pop. Um, and he got the pinfall off of that. And then right after that, we went into Firefly Funhouse. But how did you feel about this match before we get into Firefly Funhouse? A uh, great match. Ricochet should have Pyro in his entrance. Um, but still, great match. I love the finish. And I appreciate Vic Joseph calling it a West Coast pop because I think had we had Michael Cole, he just would have been like, oh, and a roll up or something, you know, really generic. So I just I appreciate Vic Joseph for that. Yeah, that was definitely a highlight in some of his commentary right there was being able to really identify each and every move as they were coming along and really hitting like the names that hit the the fan heart, you know? Yeah, because like, I mean, that fin- the, the finish was, you know, it was tied into the story that it was telling. So it's kind of important. Like you need the commentators sometimes to call spots like that. So like I, I, I really wish like other commentators besides Corey Grace because he does it. Uh, would learn from that and Nigel does it too that uh, to call the moves what they are more often yeah absolutely and you know that that's where the benefit is of having somebody like a Vic Joseph behind the booth and you're absolutely right it adds to like the feeling of the match because the match initiated regardless because it was in the honor of Rey Mysterio that Ricochet you know really went into this match so to hit a quote-unquote West Coast pop and have it called a West Coast pop definitely adds to the feeling of the match and it you know it gives that emotion back to the fan and investing to the match let's see here all right perfect i had to scroll down the list a little bit but the next thing uh that we actually had up was firefly funhouse it was kind of a i don't want to say it was a clear firefly funhouse but it was to an extent like it was still somewhat mysterious like leading into the future and trying to understand what they're going to do in the future um but you know, it starts off with like Abby laughing and then like uh, Mercy's like trembling in his box and then Rambling Rabbit is just like, I'm scared to death. And then he just like dies. He literally just like dies right after. That. And then Bray Wyatt like is just like, what's wrong? Like, oh, no, he's dead. And he like throws him away pretty much. He just goes like, fuck it. Like, I don't even need this guy. Like, he'll come back to life like Kenny from South Park pretty much. Um, and, you know, Abby, like, then specifies that she's terrified of what's going to happen in the match in Hell in a Cell because they all like Seth Rollins. Um, and then, you know, Mercy's like, it's horrific. And then Bray Wyatt just essentially starts telling them it's like a terrible world uh, in Hell in a Cell. But it's just kind of like to teach Seth Rollins a lesson, Rollins a lesson. Um, and then he's not really like trapped there, but there's no way he won't leave like without scars. It was pretty like, you know graphic to an extent of how he was describing of what's going to happen but i like it because it adds to like that that fear that came with the fiend like a lot of people this week who don't watch wrestling right they're watching they're watching football and all of a sudden they see a commercial pop up for like wrestling since now fox is promoting wwe a lot more and some of the commercials were ending with the fiend like flashing in and flashing out and like it making like that quick like high-pitched like screeching sound that he comes out to and, like, people were starting to post, like, what the fuck is this? This is what I'm going to say, right? I, I, as Coach Jay of the Wrestling Burrito would say, right? This is my hot take, right? My hot take would be, I think we found a character to officially replace The Undertaker. I think we could finally move forward from The Undertaker now that we have The Fiend. I think we should actually have The Fiend put The Undertaker to rest. I don't know how you feel about that. I am 
completely on board with it for it being the fiend retiring the Undertaker, putting him to rest. Um, I wasn't okay with Bray Wyatt in his original form, uh, even going over the Undertaker. So I still like because a lot of people will say that Bray Wyatt should have won back then against the Undertaker, and I always disagreed with that statement. Um, but now, yes, I absolutely think that the Fiend should go over the Undertaker. Um, and I, I can agree with that. Um, I think he could be the next one to kind of take that position, to take that role. Um, the only thing I would say that I think he needs to do it, I think he can and will do, hopefully, at some point, is add a little more to his moveset. Like, I don't want it to just always be relying on the mandible claw as the finish or just like that's what he always comes out to. He needs to do something, something's different to freshen it up and, you know, keep it interesting like The Undertaker has done. Um, but besides that, yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, I, you know, I would definitely agree in the sense with the mandible claw. I haven't been a fan of him doing the mandible claw. In fact, I think that kind of took away a little bit from him with him doing the mandible claw because I think we're at a point now, like when you see the mandible claw, like, yeah, it was cool when uh, Mick Foley did it because he had Mr. Socko, so it kind of like had a little like entertainment value to it. But with The Fiend, it doesn't do much for me because it's like, all right, like, what what is he doing to them with the Mandible Claw? Like, we all know it's not like a move that really puts you to sleep. Maybe if he had a more convincing submission, I think that would be great. You know, I think the kind of idea they're trying to go with is like he's quote unquote like taking your soul or, you know, your spirit kind of situation. Who knows, you know, for sure what they're trying to get with it. Um, but I like the idea they're trying to run with it rather than, you know, I'm not a fan of the move. I like, you know, the angle they're trying to get it to go forth with. Um, but yeah, no, for sure. Like if we get the undertaker versus fiend, I think we're in for actually a solid finale to the undertaker's career. Cause I think Bray Wyatt is like of a solid size and in a great point in his career where he could actually take care of the undertaker in a match given the Undertaker's age and, you know, like what he can and can't do anymore. So as we keep going, we have actually, you and I were talking about this match before. Uh, We had AJ Styles versus Cedric Alexander for the United States title. Uh, AJ Styles did pick up the victory, but this match was very, like, action-packed. I thought it was extremely well-paced. I really enjoyed this match. It could have honestly been very close to like a pay-per-view caliber match. I think it was just short of it, which is actually perfect for TV. Um, But I enjoyed this match nonetheless. Like it was great. AJ Styles won with the Styles Clash, and I thought it was very convincing how he did so. It wasn't like some of those out-of-nowhere Styles Clashes that he's hit in the past. And I think him and Cedric Alexander really complement each other well. And hopefully we see Cedric get his break, you know, with the title, because you and I have been Cedric Alexander for quite a long time. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm glad that it hasn't been done just yet. But I think it's very soon that he'll be deserving of that chance. How about you? Yeah, he will be. Uh, I'm. I mean, I think that match was kind of like foreshadowing that Cedric's going to win the United States Championship. I would say even within the next year, um, He's definitely ready for that title. It's just a matter of you want to also make sure that AJ has a really strong title run now because that's the one you can throw back into that WWE or Universal Championship scene at any moment, and it's not going to be weird because he's booked so strong. I'm so glad that AJ has gone back to kind of 
really fitting into that heel role where he was, you know, playing on SmackDown. I really like him as a heel a lot more as a face. And even this title run, this is one of my favorite title runs he's had in WWE. Um, definitely his best United States Championship run, that's for sure. Um, the matches alone that he's putting on. On top of the fact that when he's a heel, he can cut a much better promo. He's not so goofy and corny. There's something when he's a heel, he knows how to, like, not overdo it. Most of the time, at least. Um, but, I mean, this match with Cedric, this was the match that we needed from them. You know, not the, the other shit that we got last time. Um, this was the kind of match we were expecting. Great TV match. They could even save it for a rematch at a pay-per-view if they need to. Um, whatever, that's that's fine. Um, but that, this match was exactly, I think, what it should have been. Um, and they went with the right move. I think that AJ should have kept the title. And this is... This is helping uh, make the the U.S. title uh, important again, and not just like this uh, flip flop title where they're just you know back and forth every month. There's a new champion every two months because um, I know those mid card titles haven't been staying on the champions that long. But as of lately, it seems like they're keeping them on a little longer. So I'm hoping that that's like a, a new thing that they're gonna start building a little more credibility behind those championships. So um, I really like the fact also. Uh, last thing I'll say about this is that AJ won with the Styles Clash. He needs to win more matches with it. Um, and, and, you know, I want to see him also win with... A, he has so many, like, different moves in his moveset that I want to see him use a bunch of different things. But it's nice to see the Styles Clash come back because you don't want to do the um, Phenomenal Forearm or the um, the Calf Crusher too often because then that's when... That's kind of like the AJ we were getting with his face WWE title run. It was kind of like that all the time, and that kind of got stale after a while. So I really like this. This is kind of feeling uh, like a refresh for AJ. Yeah, I think especially, you know, with all the new content they're about to start putting out, like now that they're going to be on Fox, I'm sure they're going to try and ramp up their content a little more toward like TV 14. So I'm sure they're like letting him know like, hey, like we're going to take like, you know, the brakes off of you a little bit, like try and pump the gas a little more and give us what you know how to do. And I really do love it. Um, but yeah, I think this one may have been the match of the night. Agree or disagree? Agreed. And then uh, definitely uh, Cesaro versus Ricochet was my second favorite. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll move past this next match really quick because I really wasn't that much of a fan of it. But Lacey Evans versus Natalia. Lacey Evans picked up the victory. That's all I'm saying about this. What about you? Nope, that's all we need to say. Let's move on. That's all we need to say. Honestly, I agree. Like, I, I'm not a fan of that feud at all. It's not doing anything for me. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Maria Canellis got interviewed. Um, she then said that Rusev isn't the father of her child. So I don't know where they're going with this. It just seems like Mike Bennett is really enjoying the fact of not being his child's father, I guess. I really am not certain of where he's going with this. How have you been feeling with this storyline? I don't think you and I have talked about it. I mean, I'm not into it. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. And I don't know also how Mike Bennett is happy with his position. I mean, I'm sure he makes a good amount of money and it's fun to, I guess, do what he does. But, um, I mean, just for someone who's been talking about how much more potential uh, he's, you know, how much more potential he has and how much more worth he has, um, I'm just confused as to how he's content with the role he's been given. But, um, I mean, if that's what he, he likes doing, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just highly confused at this point of where they're going with it. I really, have, you you and I have both talked about, you know, Mike Canales actually finally getting a break, 
and being able to like showcase his skills and getting some form of a push. I don't even know if I'm able to root for this anymore because I'm highly confused as to where this is going. I, I just but don't again, see this push coming. I don't. I, when is this push coming? Like, what have they told him to keep him with the company? Like, what are they like promising him, or what is he like? Oh, just you wait because they've buried him pretty fucking low, man. Look, I don't think they've ever had a storyline in regards to somebody else being the father of someone else's child, and it's just like, hold on, like. Where are we at with all of this? And there's been a whole lot of domestic issues going on with the WWE because the next thing we have is Rusev versus Seth Rollins. And it almost seemed like Rusev was about to pick up the victory. He hit a Machka kick on Seth Rollins. And then out comes Bobby Lashley. And then he brings out Lana. And they begin to make out. And it's like, holy shit, where the fuck did we go like literally what when did we make a left turn you know you know those times when you're in a car and you just look down and you just text for a little bit and you look back up after like 10 minutes you're like hold on where the hell are we that's where i felt to be at this point in the show and then right after that the lights go off and the fiend gets seth rollin uh seth rollins and he puts him in the mandible claw and then we pretty much end the show from there how did you feel about all this as the ending I was so confused when you said the texting thing because I pictured you driving at first. I was like, how the fuck did you look down for 10 minutes while driving on your phone? Because <laughs> everybody's so used to me driving them. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Confirmed. You fucking always drive. And I appreciate that. Um, but yeah. Um, so <laughs> back to the Rusev thing. Um, this was a super weird angle. Um I felt legitimately bad for Rusev in all of this. I didn't really get, like, there's no heel heat with Bobby or anything like that. Um, I don't know if this really makes me interested for a match or a feud with them. I'm just like, I think both of these guys should be doing something different. I don't know what you do with Bobby Lashley anymore because this is just from the beginning. This is not how I would have handled him. I just really think that they missed they missed their opportunity with him. They, they really should have striked when the iron was hot honestly because they they just didn't and i think it's really he suffered from it um and it's 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 left everyone confused i mean obviously they got something planned but um like i said this just made me feel like this was uncomfortable to watch and i just like felt bad for Rusev overall and then the thing with bray wyatt after i was just like it's like i didn't really want to see that honestly at least for me i was like i wanted to like I mean, it just ended with the Rusev thing. I didn't think it needed, like, that at the end. Or at least put the Rusev thing at a different part of the show. I just think having that back-to-back or to, like, have it be an excuse to, like, uh, end the thing with Rusev. I, I don't know. It was too abrupt for me. I wasn't into it. And they, they're, like, now they're starting to show Bray a little too much. They're start, starting to show The Fiend a little too much for my liking. Yeah, I was actually going to say that I don't like that The Fiend's been on every single week. Like, I think at times we need Bray Wyatt, like, in this other character to come out and, like, go out to the ring here. And they're like, yeah, it's cool to see him on Firefly Funhouse. But at least, like, let him actually show up on the show rather than The Fiend because we don't need to exhaust The Fiend. Like, that's what kind of is great about, like, the demon Finn Balor is, like, we don't get to see him all the time. And, like, when we do, like, we know we're in for a treat. You know, I'm not saying be as scarce like you are with the demon, with the fiend. Like, yeah, you know, if you want to bring him out, like, on the on the go-home show and make sure, like, he ends off, you know, the go-home show right, I could see that being understandable. But, like, when you're doing it every single week and, like, sometimes you're kind of just pulling reasons out of your hat. Like, okay, like, we have a legend this week. Like, let's just bury them, too. And it's like, 
you know, all right, look, look, I want Bray Wyatt to have his push, but we don't need to literally like shove him down people's throats. Like make sure it's used properly, sparingly and smart. You know, my mom always told me like, you always like should, uh, what, what is it? Hold on. Actually, a little goes a long way. I'm sorry. That's the one I was thinking of, but a little goes a long way. And we want to make sure that we, you know, get this usage done properly rather than, you know, just oversaturating us with it. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was thinking. Exactly. Uh, but we'll, we'll move on to the prediction side of things. We got three pretty big shows happening this week. Uh, NXT has a pretty big show going on. Uh, they're going head-to-head directly with AEW Dynamite. And then Friday, WWE premieres SmackDown on Fox. We're going to start it off with NXT because I'm not going to jump into the two biggers, uh, bigger shows just yet. Now, I will say this. NXT is definitely the one show that will be able to compete with AEW. So I'm glad to see that if there is a show that has to go at the same time as AEW, it's going to be NXT. Now, the first match that they're showing on the card, and this is directly on the WWE website because I haven't been too certain on what the card was going to be. It seemed like it was very up in the air. Uh, The first match that's showing is Johnny Gargano versus Shane Thorne. I think it's pretty easy to call that Johnny Gargano is probably going to pull off this victory. What you thinking? Uh, just to be clear, Shane Thorne, he's the guy from uh, the the Mighty, right? Uh, yeah, he's been a part of a couple of tag teams, actually. And now he's going solo, and his moniker is uh, the worst Shane Thorne. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I actually, from what I've seen, I like him. And I think this will be a really, really good match, actually. But Johnny is definitely going to win. Uh, he should win. Shane Thorne has no reason to, like, be uh, pushed too hard right now. He shouldn't be your top guy on NXT, though. Not right now. Uh, he can be pushed in the mid-card when the time's right. But um, right now, that's a good person to to uh, to have a loss over uh Johnny Gargano because he does need wins still and that's the perfect person to win against because he he can honestly keep up with Johnny Johnny Gargano in the in the ring as far as like in ring ability goes. I think the best way to put it is he has nothing to lose, he only has everything to gain. Yeah, but like I said, the, they they both I think their styles will complement each other well. Yep. Absolutely. Um but moving on to a little more of an exciting match. We have the Street Profits having their rematch for the tag team titles against the Undisputed Era. Um, I, You know, something tells me I want to say the Street Profits are going to win this. And I would think that now that NXT is actually on TV, you would think that the Street Profits would win this. But I don't think they will win this. I think they're going to lose and finally like move forth toward like Raw or SmackDown, especially with the draft coming up. You know, they've been featured a lot on Raw. Um, you know, and a lot of people have been very excited to see them on there and they've been really a highlight of the show cause they're extremely entertaining, but I really think they're going to take the loss and be drafted onto either raw or SmackDown. And I feel like they might actually go to raw. Honestly, that's what I was thinking is where they're going to go. Yeah. I think street profits are going to lose this and they're going to go to raw. I think it would make the most sense cause that's the show they're always on and, they just seem like raw guys to me. They they have the personality for it. To me, the raw guys should always be the ones who have, or they should usually be the ones who, who for the wrestlers who have a lot of charisma. Whereas SmackDown, you kind of reserve more of the better in ring talent. Like obviously, you should have both on both shows. But Raw, to me, has always felt like that's the show for the characters, and SmackDown's the one for the wrestling. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, actually, it was announced today that Wale is going to be with the Street Profits tomorrow. I'm sure he's probably going to like wrap their intro or something like that, or you know, just be like a ringside presence. Um, but I'm sure that adds on to them gaining viewers for tomorrow. They're probably just trying to pull every trick out of their hat. Uh, but moving into the next match, we actually have Candice LeRae versus Shayna Baszler. I'm going with Shayna Baszler. I don't see any reason why Shayna Baszler should lose this match. I don't think there's enough firepower behind Candice LeRae just yet. You know, I think, is she a star in the making? I absolutely do think so because I think she's one of those female, you know, superstars that is just easy to, you know, grasp onto as far as, like, you know, the younger the younger fans go. Um but no, I, I'm not convinced that she's going to beat Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler, you know, is going to choke her the fuck out. Yeah, I mean, had they had this match on a takeover in a couple months, I would say the Candice were going to win this match, honestly. Um, but I just don't see at this time and for how soon of like a push this would be from where Candice was on NXT prior to this. Um, I don't see it happening right now. Candice beating Shayna, but if they do this match again, later down the line, a couple months from now, I definitely think Candice could win this match. I actually don't know who would take the title from Shayna. I thought when they brought Rhea, uh, Rhea Ripley up onto NXT, I thought that she was going to be the one to take it off of her, but I don't know if they're going to be doing that so much anymore. Because, I mean, they changed her theme music and everything to, like, portray her more as a face because she was more as a heel like, NXT UK, it seemed like. Um, and I was really into the idea of her taking the title off of Shayna because I think she's perfectly ready for it, honestly. Um, she could definitely keep up with Shayna, I think. Th- that's literally what I thought as well when she showed up. And if I'm not mistaken, even Coach Jay from the Wrestling Burrito also felt the exact same way. Uh, but yeah, it's just hard to say, or it's actually just hard to bet against uh, Shayna Baszler at this point. And you're right, if it was at a takeover, there is a chance that Candice LeRae would win. But it's not that time. And I don't think we're going to get that result. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Shayna Baszler. Um, but moving on to the main event, Matt Riddle defeated Killian Dane last week to get his title opportunity against Adam Cole. I would love to say Matt Riddle's going to pick up this victory and get this title, but there's no way I think that Adam Cole is going to be the first one to lose gold in the Undisputed Era. I would be really shocked if that happened. I wouldn't be disappointed because I love Matt Riddle, and I think Matt Riddle would make a great champion. Uh, but just like what we said with Shayna Baszler and Candice LeRae, I don't think it's that time just yet. Uh, but who knows? Anything is definitely possible, but I got to go with Adam Cole, baby. Yeah, I'm going to go with Adam Cole also. I don't think he should lose the title yet. He's one of your most important wrestlers you have in the entire company. And if you're talking about competing with this uh, hot new product that's going to be NXT's main competitor pretty much um you're gonna want someone like Adam Cole to keep those eyes on your product I mean he is your future and he's even your present I mean uh everyone wants to see Adam Cole it's pretty hard not to like him and I think him versus Riddle is gonna be an amazing match um it'll be interesting to see how they do the finish I hope that they don't go with uh undisputed like causing or being the the reason why Adam Cole wins because Adam Cole has won clean enough times in the past where he can legitimately pull off a clean win and it wouldn't be out of the question in the wrestling world at least um 
obviously in a shoot fight, a little more questionable against Matt Riddle. But in the wrestling world, I think uh, Adam Cole is that good that he can convincingly uh, be Matt Riddle and everyone can buy into it. But I would love to see Matt Riddle take the title, just not yet. I, I love both these guys, and they're both two of my favorites currently in the entire world. But um, I think Adam Cole needs this win a little more, and I think he'll, he's going to take it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this will be a good way to put Matt Riddle over with the, you know, the national audience as far as, like, television goes. Because, you know, the, a television audience isn't fully familiar with, you know, Adam, uh, I'm sorry, uh, a Matt Riddle. But, you know, even with Adam Cole as well. So that's why they both kind of need, you know, those dynamics of the pushes that we're talking about for them with Adam Cole going over in this match and Matt Riddle, you know, still losing the match. I think they both don't lose anything as far as this match goes. And I think it's going to bring exactly what people want. And in all honesty, I think this is like the main event you go with if you have to compete head to head with uh, AEW on their debut. But let's move on over to the show that everybody wants to talk about. AEW Wednesday Night Dynamite. The premiere that everybody's been waiting for is finally here. We are officially less than 24 hours away from this debut. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but they just had the countdown to AEW Dynamite on TNT. I'm going to watch it actually once we're done recording. But man, oh man, I am beyond excited. Uh, Coach Jay and I reported live from All Out. You know, we also went to Fighter Fest. I was at Fight for the Fallen as well. AEW's been putting on some great shows. They haven't been as consistent with storylines just yet because, you know, they haven't really had a consistent platform to use that. But that's why they have this TV deal. Now, we know Cody stated that there's only about 40% of the roster that's been revealed. There's been some reports coming out this week saying that Jack Swagger might actually appear. You know, does that mean he signed? We have no idea. Um, but that's been something that's been popping up. We've been seeing like CM Punk rumors, not necessarily with AEW. But it draws the question of, is it possible that he could also show up? I mean, hearing that they only revealed 40% of their roster, that means a lot of surprises could actually happen. Um is there anybody in particular in particular you would like to see actually pop up in AEW, Kev? I mean, at some point, I'd love for Robbie and Dam to make a return, but like, because um, I think he can still go, honestly, and he's wrestling for Impact right now. But I don't see why not in like a year or two from now, if he's in pretty good shape, then why not? You know, um, he's just one of my all-time favorites, so I wouldn't mind seeing him uh, back in the ring, at least on, on a bigger yeah. platform. Yeah, I would love to see Rob Van Dam. Like, if he is to make a last run, you know, I would love to obviously see it in WWE, but I think he we would get more of the run we would want with AEW. Yeah. Um, but some surprises I would love to see happen, you know, nothing based on rumors or anything like that. But I'd love to see someone like a Brian Cage come on out and join, like, AEW. Or, like, I mean, you know, even if they were to get um, Matt Taven, you know, if they were able to sign him, I think that would be great as well. But apparently, you know, Ring of Honor just pretty much made him a huge offer. So who knows what's going to happen there. But I think if you bring out like a big personality surprise, you know, with like someone that's like of world championship caliber, it really brings a lot to your new show because you're exposing brand new talent out there. So for me, it would have to be someone that hasn't been exposed to like a television audience. Uh, but who knows? You know, we're we're in for so much because John Moxley's supposed to appear 
And, you know, he's supposed to make some form of an announcement and, you know, probably do some sort of crazy shit. Uh, but let's move into the matches that we have. The first one that I see here on the list, uh, MJF versus Brandon Cutler. You know, MJF has basically joined the Nightmare family. You know, he was side by side with Cody at All Out when Cody was going against uh, Sean Spears. Brandon Cutler's actually friends with the Young Bucks. It's pretty much why he works with AEW. I see MJF getting this victory because honestly, I see them building MJF toward like a world title run. This kid is like 23, 24 years old, but has far beyond the potential that he even probably knows he has. Like this kid is going to do great things. And I see him absolutely starting off this show and starting it off with a victory. Uh, how are you feeling about this match? Uh, yeah, I just, I, I like MJF a lot. I think he's going to take the match as he should because that's someone they got to, they, they got to push pretty hard because he's already, from the first event they had, he was already just so popular with the crowd. And that's that's someone who they need to put a lot of attention on. So I say MJF takes this. Yeah, and one thing I love about him is that like, he is one of those wrestlers that is sure that when he's on or off the cameras, that it's the same person. And like that is so respectable about wrestlers that still carry that out today because it seems like that's kind of gone away. Like a lot of them, you know, when they're on social media and stuff like that, if you look at like a lot of the WWE superstars on like Instagram, for instance, you're going to see a lot of their real names as their display names versus like, the, you know, their wrestling names. So it kind of like removes the idea of like, you know, like what you see is what you get with MJF. What you see is what you get. I don't know if you've ever gotten to listen to this, but I highly suggest listening to MJF as a guest on the Talk is Jericho podcast. They labeled it basically as like a 60 minute promo and he kills it throughout the entire podcast. I highly suggest listening to it if you haven't already. I definitely will. I mean, I've I've heard other interviews with him, like with uh, Chris Van Vliet, and that interview was great. And he talks about that interview in the Talk is Jericho interview. So, yeah, I highly suggest listening to that. Uh, but the next match I'm actually going to go with is Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara. Um, it's hard to deny that Cody Rhodes is probably going to win this match. It's already been announced that at the next AEW pay-per-view, uh, he would be challenging Chris Jericho for the AEW title. And Cody already said that if he were to lose to Sammy Guevara, that he would remove himself from that match. So I'm going with Cody Rhodes in this one. How about you? Yeah, Cody. Yeah, but you know, one thing I think that's going to be great is Sammy Guevara is going to show himself off. The kid's only 26. He has, you know, limitless potential at this point. Um, and I think we're at least going to see what he could do. But Cody's definitely going to go down with the victory. He's definitely going to make Cody look good in this match. I mean, I, I don't know enough about uh, Sammy, so I, I can't really say. Oh, yeah, you're going to love him. When I saw him at Fight for the Fallen for the first time, I was actually blown away. But uh, he, he was in, like, those battle royals, like, at Double or Nothing. Uh, you know, and it was decent to see him there, but it didn't really show who he was. Um, but you'll see. You'll see tomorrow. Like, tomorrow, make sure you watch that match. Like, I don't know about you. Actually, let's bring this up real quick. Are you going to watch NXT or AEW, and are you going to, like, switch between, or are you just going to stick to one show? I mean, it won't matter, because, like, I'll I'll stream both shows. So I'll, I'll probably watch them both in the same night. Um, as to which I'm going to watch, like, first NXT, that's just because, like, I love NXT. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I'm still gonna watch. Uh, I'm still gonna watch AEW Dynamite. I can respect the dedication, though. That's pretty cool. Uh, me, I'm going to watch AEW live. I'll probably end up like switching a little bit between uh, that and NXT. Uh, but I'm going to try to stick with AEW. I think it's just something that you have to watch like live since it's the first one. Uh, but let's keep this show on the road. I'm going to skip through a little bit. I'm going to jump actually to the AEW Women's Championship match. Now, I know Rio's pulled off like a victory of sorts against... Um, Nyla Rose, but it's hard to think that Nyla Rose isn't going to be the first AEW Women's Champion. It seems like they're like stuck on the idea of you know strapping a rocket on Nyla because she's extremely marketable. Um, how do you feel about this one? Again, I, I don't know too much about this match. Okay, um, yeah, so we'll skip that prediction then. But yeah, I think Nyla Rose is going to win that one. I do, I've just Honestly, been hearing her name a lot, so I would think she's going to win the match. Okay, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in a little more on information after the show. Um, she's definitely a great wrestler. I, you know, I, I would say watch this match. It's probably going to have a lot of, like, I don't want to say emotional value, but, like, Rio, she, like, really puts a lot of, like, her heart into the match. Like, every match, like, it seems like she's invested into. But it's just kind of hard to understand her storylines because I, I want to say she's Japanese or Chinese. I'm not 100% certain. I know that... They really went in their bag with these superstars. I think she's Japanese, though. Um, but she, you know, she can't really speak too much English, so her storylines really don't stick. Uh, but, you know, I would say at least check out the match tomorrow night. However, the next match, I think this is the match you and I will probably be most excited for. Uh, Adam Hangman Page versus Pac. Um, you already know that Adam Hangman Page lost to Chris Jericho in the first ever AEW title match. Pack is coming off of a victory after choking out Kenny Omega. I'm going with Pack again. There's no way I would ever doubt that Pack is going to win this match. Or yeah, I wouldn't. I would never doubt that he's going to win this match because of the fact that he choked out Kenny Omega. I don't think I've really ever seen Kenny Omega lose by submission, at least since I've started watching him. I think Hangman Page should really hold the position in this company of being the guy who elevates top guys, but he should not be the top guy. He should be there to put on that good match. He should be um, Shane Thorne, Shane Thorpe, who, uh, who's fighting Johnny Gargano. He should be he should be playing that role right now, where he can put on a great match, uh, but he's there to make the other guy look like a star, um, while looking very credible, though, and being a credible opponent. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think Pac's going to take the match. And I think it's going to be probably the match of the night. Oh, no, 100%. I know this will be the match of the night. Uh, but the main event that they have right now is Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus Chris Jericho and two mystery partners. Now, we know that at All Out, when the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks match ended, uh, we saw the debut of Santana and Ortiz. I think it's pretty obvious that they're probably going to be Jericho's mystery partners. And I think this match will be great because you got to remember, on national TV, the only person that people know in this match is Chris Jericho. Nobody knows who the fuck Kenny Omega is, who the Young Bucks are, or Santana and Ortiz. And I think all of them are going to you know, blow people's minds. Is this going to be the match of the night? Probably not because it's a six-man tag, but I think it'll definitely get the job done because you obviously don't want to go with all of your big guns on the first show 
Because think about it, like WWE is already throwing all of their big guns just to compete with you this week. All right. People are already watching based on hype as it is because of the fact that this is a brand new show. But I love the fact that they're going to take their time. Like they're not going to push the envelope and they're just going to make sure that everything develops properly and their storylines stick with the fans. And I think that's how we're going to get the most out of this show. But how are you feeling about the main event? Well, I mean, I don't have too much of an opinion on it. I think it's going to be like one of those. Uh, we kind of, I think we're starting to expect what um, AEW main event can deliver. So I think it's like no matter what, going to be a high quality match with lots of spots. But um, okay, so uh, LAX, where are the what, what promotion did they wrestle with? Um, if I'm not mistaken, I well, I know they were in Impact. But I kind of want to say that they were actually also in Lucha Underground at a point. Okay. Um, but the most recent company they were with is Impact. They actually were like the Impact champions. They lost the titles to the North. And then they had like a career versus career match where LAX lost. But I know they're not going to be referred to as LAX in AEW. They're, they, I, If I'm not mistaken, they actually even changed their names going into AEW to Santana and Ortiz. If I'm not mistaken, before it was like their names were like Hernandez and Homicide or something like that. Right, that's what I also heard. Um, I'm just because like it just sometimes seems like no one's watching Impact, but then out of nowhere they'll just be these like these wrestlers who come out with like all this hype, and I'll find out they're from Impact. I'm just like, wow, like they got like they blew up like seemingly overnight. Um, I, I will say impact is actually great at finding undiscovered talent like they really go in their bag and they find a lot of great people because like I didn't know about people like Mike Kanellis or EC3 before I really tuned into impact and you got to remember a lot of people didn't know about AJ Styles until they tuned into impact and there's AJ Styles as well and even like Samoa Joe so like they really they're they're kind of like the how the Yankees are with discovering like young talent like you know like are they as successful as the Yankees are no way in hell but they know how to like discover talent and really develop them before kind of putting them out there to pasture and you know like the real big picture like situations yeah so um with with LAX um I can't sorry I don't know their actual names I keep forgetting them um but uh they I don't know anything about them really, but I have been hearing their names like nonstop recently. Whenever Jericho talks about his new partners, this is the name that keeps getting brought up. So it's like, it seems like even for, for me, who knows something about him, it's pretty obvious. This is uh, who's going to be his team members. Um, and if not, then, then, and he surprises us, then I mean, good on him for, because that's a, a pretty good uh, swerve, I guess. But Besides that, I don't have too much of an opinion just other than the fact that, I mean, I hope that it, it, they kind of live up to the hype that I'm, I'm hearing about them because, like, I mean, I've, I've just been hearing about them nonstop, so I just, like, I would think they're, like, one of the greatest tag teams from, like, what I keep hearing about them. Are they one of the greatest? I wouldn't say that just yet. Are they great? Yeah, they are very enjoyable because they're also very entertaining. And I was actually going to say my pick is for Chris Jericho and Santana and Ortiz to get the victory over Kenny and the Young Bucks. Because I think Kenny and the Young Bucks can avoid a, vict uh, a loss because I already know that they're going to have plenty of victories in their AEW careers. And let alone Jericho's the champion. So like we wouldn't want the champion losing on the very first show uh, you know, when it debuts. So I got Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz picking up the victory on this one. Yeah, um, I'll agree with you. I mean, because why not? Sounds right. 
Perfect. So let's move on to the final show of the week. Uh, we have SmackDown, and it is premiering on Fox finally. I think what we waited almost two years for this to finally happen. And they are really going in their bag for this one. Uh, we found out The Rock will be on the show this week. The return of the great one. I'm actually very excited to see that because I thought they weren't going to pull it off. But I'm pretty happy that they did. And it's leaning toward the idea that Cena will probably end up coming back, which I'm not as excited for that one. But it makes sense why they would do that. Um, but moving into the card that they have set up, let's see here. Actually, let's start with this because let's not forget, actually, this is the initial night of the brand new WWE draft. Um, so talking about the WWE draft, who do you think is going to end up on SmackDown that isn't already there? Oh, man. Um, I, I honestly, I'm like, I have no clue. I can't, I'm, I'm not thinking of anyone. For some reason, like, I can only think of who I think will go to Raw. Like, I have a feeling like Randy's going to go to Raw at some point soon. Um, but I I have no idea who they're going to get on SmackDown. I, who do you think? I don't know why, but something makes me feel like we're going to see, like, somehow, some way that Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch switch, like, brands. Becky, I see going to SmackDown, but Seth, like, I don't... I don't think he's going to lose that title on Sunday as much as it sucks that he's not going to. I don't think he will. No, I, I, I really think that The Fiend is going to actually really take that. Um, but we'll, we'll get to Hell in a Cell shortly. But let's go over the card that they have set right now. So from what I actually see is that there's really only four matches set in stone. Um, the first of which is Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan. And I feel like it's going to be a dirty victory, but I think Eric Rowan's going to pick up the victory. Probably way of interference. Uh, Luke Harper probably going to come in and take out Roman Reigns some way, somehow. And Eric Rowan's probably going to pick up the victory. What do you think about that? Um, I think Roman's going to win. Uh, I just, because why not? Like, um, I don't think uh, Eric Rowan has... I don't know. I don't know how how much they have in, in store for Eric Rowan. I don't know what's his ceiling. I don't know. Are they? Is this a guy that's even going to put the NFL championship on him? Um, so it's it's hard to say. I have, I have no idea where they're going with Rowan, but I do like him. I like him even on promos. Um, I think he does a pretty solid job. Um, but Luke Harper, I think, is the real star here, and I think that's a guy you can easily put the WWE Championship on him. Rowan, uh, not so much. Um, the Intercontinental Championship, I think, sure, yeah, um, if he's built towards it. Um, but uh, Luke Harper, I think, I want to see uh, just a full-on just Luke Harper versus Roman Reigns match. That, I think, would be amazing. Yeah, I think Luke Harper is really the guy to look into. And I, I was even saying it when I, you know, appeared as a guest on the Wrestling Burrito that um, I think they need to let Luke Harper speak up a little more because remember when Eric Rowan got interviewed, they asked about Luke Harper and he said, if you have a question for Luke Harper, make sure to ask Luke Harper. Uh, they need to definitely start asking Luke Harper some questions because I need him to start developing his character to show people that he's not just a lackey and just that silent big guy in the background. He deserves a lot more than that. Uh, but, I, you know, I really have been loving what him and Rowan have been doing. And I love that they, you know, kind of have the weights taken off of them and they're just able to fly free at this point. Uh, but the next match that I see on the card 
is Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch, and they're going to go against the Boston Hug Connection with Sasha Banks and Bailey. Um, I'm actually going to say that I think Charlotte and Becky will pick up this victory, or there's a chance that this victory ends in no contest, some way, somehow. Like it, all hell is just going to break loose. I think it would be smart to have Becky and Charlotte win this match. Um, sure, you could say that um, that Sasha needs it more, but I mean, she's already had a bunch of wins recently. Um, and I just, I don't know. I'm not into this Bailey quote-unquote heel turn. I'm not into it. Um, I, so I'm, I'm just way more into Charlotte and Becky. Like, I, I, as wrestlers, as everything. I think they're better in-ring. I think they're better on the mic. I think they're better characters. Um, I think they are bigger stars overall. Um, so I, I think they should just have the win just because it makes more sense to me logically in storyline and just all around. Yeah, I think you know, one thing I want to say is, and I say it quite often, I think there is no way to compare this by any means. But Charlotte Flair is by far the greatest female wrestler that we have ever seen. Like, she is just incredible. Like, everything that she does, like, from her promos to her in-match capabilities, Charlotte Flair is honestly, like, the whole package as far as, like, a female superstar goes. Like, she is an incredible wrestler. And especially now that she's dating Andrade, I think that that helps her a lot because he kind of adds, like, diversity to, like, her ring set, or, like, her skill set in the ring. Um, I would, I mean, I would say Charlotte is probably second or third for me personally. To me, Asuka is the best female wrestler to ever live. Um, I think she just hasn't been given that same opportunity that, that Charlotte has. I absolutely think though, um, that Asuka is the greatest in-ring talent as far as a women's wrestler goes. And then I'd probably put AJ Lee just right under her as far as like, the, in my, in my opinion, the greatest uh, women's wrestler of all time. And then Charlotte will probably be number three. I, I agree on Oscar. Oscar could definitely, you know, beat that idea. But you're right. She hasn't been booked properly. I'd probably put AJ Lee, though, after Charlotte. Like, really, like, and truly, like, Charlotte has been one hell of a wrestler. And, like, she's never to disappoint, like, really, as far as, like, her booking has gone. Like, if anything is disappointed with her booking, it's probably been someone else that's written in something that she hasn't done right. But everything you could tell that, like, she naturally can do she excels at it incredibly um but yeah i think it's good that you and i both yeah, agree and Charlotte I, and I, and Beth. Oh, what were you gonna say and, and, and i and i agree with that uh with what you say about charlotte um but just um, one last thing about that um also when when it comes to like underrated female wrestlers i think ember moon doesn't get the opportunity she deserves because i think she's another one who's really slept on and she she really is uh, and, well if, if they would just let her like be able to do what she can do, especially like how she was doing NXT. I think that she could be one of the best. Let me note that I hated that last week she took a loss to Lacey Evans. Like I hated that. Like I did not think that Ember Moon needed to get buried like that. Ember She's Moon not the, that's not who you put. Yeah, that's not who you put to enhance talent. Like Lacey Evans versus Natalia. As much as we didn't like it, that is who you put to to elevate uh, Lacey Evans. But uh, Ember Moon is not there to elevate the talent. She needs to be elevated because she's so good, and that that is someone who can compete with Charlotte. That is someone who can main event a, a women's division and be your women's champion easily. Ember Moon honestly has one of my favorite finishers right now. 
Yeah, and she, she's just so good in the ring overall. She is so good and really doesn't get enough credit for that. Yeah, she's not the best on the mic. Her character is kind of undefined. I get that. But if, if you just give her a little something, you know, give her some substance to work with, I think she really can knock it out of the park. And I mean, her, her in-ring ability alone is, is a lot. I mean, it's at a really high standard to me. She's really, really good. Agreed 100%. Um, the next match we actually have on the SmackDown card Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon in a ladder match. The loser gets fired. I think it's safe to say that Shane McMahon is finally going to get written off of TV. And uh, I, feel, I hope so. Yeah, and I feel even if Shane McMahon somehow, you know, pulls off this victory, I think it's, you know, the last we see of him in a, uh, last we see of him for a while. And Kevin Owens may go to, like, NXT. But I really think Kevin Owens takes this victory and, like, please just get Shane McMahon out of there for a little bit. I think we all deserve that break. Yeah, and um, I don't know if Kevin Owens goes to NXT, but regardless, I think Shane needs to go away for quite some time. Um, and we need to see Kevin now move on and and go full at it. He needs to be pushed to the top at this point. There is... You know, I don't care what show he goes to, but he just needs to be flourishing. Absolutely. And the main event we have here, the WWE Championship match, Kofi Kingston versus Brock Lesnar. It is really hard to think that Kofi is going to keep this title. It's really hard to think that that's going to happen. Is it? Because I'm I'm starting to think that he he is going to keep it for some reason. Look, I think the only way he's going to keep it is if something happens like an interference in the match because I don't think it's going to like if it's a clean victory, I like I don't know how they're going to convince me of it unless somebody like interferes when the ref is down or not looking. It, I'm I mean like my heart tells me Kofi, but my mind logically is saying that Lesnar's taking this victory. I mean, I want Brock to win this match because personally, I'm I don't I don't need Kofi as a champion any longer. It's not doing anything for me anymore. I was yeah sure I was totally into the chase of the championship, and I'm gl- I'm very glad he won the championship. But I, like I've said, I don't think he needed it longer than two or three months, and I I can respect the fact that they want to give him uh, a respectable long title run. I think the fans would have really given the company a lot of shit had they not done that so i understand why they've done it and you know he has paid his dues for sure he's a great in-ring competitor no doubt about it but at the end of the day he's not where like daniel bryan or aj styles on that level where i think he can convincingly beat brock in in an actual match and to me if you can't you know there's always there's a little bit of gray area here but for the most part like 98 percent of the time if you can't beat convincingly a wrestler, if, if a wrestler can't convincingly beat someone in a real-life shoot fight, uh, I don't really buy in a wrestling match either. And to me, Kofi can give Brock 30 trouble in Paradises, and that's not going to be enough to take him out. Like, Brock could easily crush Kofi. I mean, Kofi is not, like, this MMA fighter or anything like that. He isn't, like, as far as I know, at least, <laughs> um, he... he He's just a wrestler, so I don't think that's enough to, to with his size and not only that, alone, just the overall wrestling ability. Brock is not only this huge guy, but this guy who could actually fight and wrestle. This is this is a guy who is on top of his game, and I mean, like, just so dominant. It, and it takes truly the best wrestlers in the world to beat this guy. So it, yeah, to me, it's it's. I mean, I was I thought it was convincing enough when when Seth was able to do it. Sure, um, but. You know, at the same time, I don't. I don't think Seth's run has been that great either. So, um, 
it's it's not like I I think they need to be careful a little more careful with how uh, they handle these these championship runs, especially for the WWE Championship, because I really don't remember a time besides Daniel Bryan when a title reign has been like that impactful to me uh, with that particular title. Yeah, and I think it was pretty ironic in the fact that like when Daniel Bryan lost the title to Kofi, he kept calling Kofi a B plus player. But I think it's time. Like I, I do agree. Like at the end of the day, I I'm really like exhausted of the Kofi Kingston title run. Like yeah, it was great while it lasted, but I think it's just getting overplayed because it seems to be pretty much the same story. And I think it's reached its peak and is past its time. So you know, let Brock take the belt into this new era with SmackDown. And, you know, he'll probably end up dropping it like a crown jewel for all we know. Uh, but we won't know until the future hits. But, I, you know, I agree with you. Brock Lesnar is definitely taking this title match. Uh, but let's move on over to Hell in a Cell and give our predictions on that. And we'll call it a night from there. Um, so starting off real quick with um, Hell in a Cell. Let's go down here. So we have the Cruiserweight title more than likely on the pre-show um, with Drew Gulak versus Leo Rush. I actually want to say I think Leo Rush is going to take this. I think they're going to look to push him because uh, he's a very marketable character, especially leading into a time where all of their shows have elevated their statuses. Um, you know, Raw had its season premiere and pretty much revamped itself. NXT's now on USA. SmackDown's now on Fox. I'm sure they're going to look to give a little jolt of energy to 205 Live. So I actually think Leo Rush has a great chance of winning this match. What do you think? Yes, uh, Leo Rush should win this match. I want him to win this match, and I think he's going to win this match. Leo Rush, as a babyface, I am all for it. Um, I think the crowd is ready for it. I think this is a great time. The way they've been uh, having him come back, the, his match with Oni on NXT, great match. The crowd was super into it, and it was great because they at first they were like kind of like half into him, but then by the end of the match, everyone was into him, and like he's really he's so good at like just making that crowd come alive. So I think he's perfect. Um, for that type of crowd. And it just doesn't make sense to me for Drew to keep the title any longer. He's, he's had his run. And honestly, it's weird. They've given Drew the title at probably, in my opinion, his lowest peak in his career. Like, uh, I, and I, I know that's a weird phrase to say lowest peak, but I just mean in the fact that, like, yes, technically he's at his peak because he's winning the championship and he's never been more popular. But at the same time, he hasn't really been doing anything. And his storylines, his his character has been kind of dull lately. It's kind of been the same thing over and over. It's like just like I'm serious Drew Gulak and I, I'm the submission specialist. But like I kind of miss the PowerPoint presentation Gulak. I miss the goofy Gulak. Um, when we when he was in that gimmick, I thought he could have won the Cruiserweight title then. So I think that was another case where they took a little too long to give him the title. Or they just overall just didn't give it to him at, at, a, at a great time or an ideal time to me. So I'm ready for Leo to take this title off. And I, I want them to really push him full force and bring this Cruiserweight division more onto either main roster, SmackDown Raw, or NXT. I actually may name this episode Goofy Gulak. I actually really like that name. Thank you. I, I thought of it right on the spot. <laughs> I love it, man. I fucking love it. Uh, but the next match we have is Nakamura versus Ali. I'd love to say it's time for Ali to win the title, but I actually love this Nakamura, Sami Zayn kind of like, you know, duo they got going. Um, Sami Zayn dancing behind Shinsuke Nakamura has been really fucking entertaining. And I don't see Nakamura losing the title just yet. Uh, but you may have a different opinion. What What do you think you got here? 
Um, I mean, I, I think it was entertaining, like, the first week or two, but, like, it's just now played out. Because WWE, they like to, like, really overdo things and show it every single week until we're sick of it. So I think it's getting to that point now. Um, I just, I want Nakamura to just, I don't know, because here's the thing. It's, it's complicated, because I do think Sammy should be a heel. Um, I just don't think he should be in this role. And I think Nakamura should be a heel. I just don't think he should be in this role. The weird thing is, though, I think Nakamura is, is in this kind of role because I, from what I've heard, he kind of wants a more laid back schedule and not to be in like the main event scene so that he has time with his family and, and whatnot, more personal time. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I, I think Shinsuke should be in the main event scene or at least, you know, in the upper mid card. But um, I, I just didn't really think the Intercontinental Championship screams his name to me like I don't I, he's not the ideal intercontinental championship to me to me I think he should be one of those guys where he's either like a world champion or you just kind of leave it off of him he's I don't think you should really go in between with him personally but that's just that's just what I think he's um, he's kind of derailed the value of the intercontinental title honestly yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it was already kind of being derailed as it was. Like, even when Finn had it, like, Finn was fine as champion, but, like, they didn't really let him do much with it, and they didn't give him that long of a title reign. And it's it's just, it's it's like, they'll just give the championships in, in these, they'll give out the championships in, like, these nothing matches. Then that's the problem. No, absolutely agree 100%. Um, but, yeah, who, who knows where they're going to go with that. But, yeah, I got Nakamura winning that. Um, did you specify who you thought was going to win? Who who is he fighting? It's Nakamura versus Ali. Oh oh, Nakamura is. I'm almost positive he'll win it. But I, at the same time, if like Ali won it, I wouldn't be super shocked because like once they gave Ricochet that U.S. title, now like I'm like okay, they can give it to like any new guy. They'll give any of those mid card titles to any new guy. Like that's just what they do now, I guess. But like I think Ali, you still want to. I, I just wouldn't have done this match right now. I, I really wouldn't have because I don't think either of them should be taking losses. Ali, even less so than, than Shinsuke, but then you can make the argument that he's kind of where Cedric is at, where he can kind of take these losses because he can be built up later on. But I think Nakamura is still going to take the win. Yeah, absolutely agree. It's kind of hard to disagree that Nakamura is going to pull that off. Uh, but then we have the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. The Revival are the champions going into this match, and they are going against the New Day. I think the Revival pulls off the victory once again. It's hard to deny their odds. Um, honestly, they're the best like tag team out right now, at least, you know, as far as like Raw or SmackDown goes. Like, or at least they're the most enjoyable tag team, in my opinion, as far as like on the mic and in the ring. Um, you know, if I had to say who the best tag team was overall right now, I'm probably going to say Undisputed Era because I fucking love Undisputed Era and Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish are highly underrated. Um, but yeah, I got the Revival defeating the New Day. Uh, I'll go with the Revival too. I, the New Day does not need those titles right now. In fact, they should not win those titles because I think they're going to start to devalue it if they win it. Leave it on the Revival. Let the Revival be on SmackDown all the time now just have them smacked out ex exclusive um because i'm i'm sick of seeing them on raw honestly they they they've been having a little more momentum lately so let's give them like a fresh uh, a fresh scene you know like let's like have them on a different platform now especially with new eyes and, and a bigger audience um so i i'm really liking the re revivals work lately um they're really really great um, I, as far as, uh, my favorite tag team or who I think is the best, I still stand by the fact that I, as much as I, I think the Undisputed, 
Undisputed Era is one of the best. Um, I think the Usos are still the best, to me at least. They are the best. There's something about this their chemistry. Obviously, they're twins, but like that that's what I mean is the fact that they are twins, I think there's just they have this unmatched um just synchronization that no one else can can just i mean the, obviously the young bucks are the young bucks but the, the usos are a whole different style and i really like their style in, in particular and it's just way more stiff to me and i don't know just everything about their timing their presentation when they're when they're heels and they're full-on heels and they're allowed to go full at it that is when i think they thrive they just haven't been obviously they haven't been on tv but even before then, once they were on Raw, I just don't like the the way they were going. But not to get too off topic here, um, I love the Usos. But yeah, I'm going to go with the Revival taking this one. Actually, it's rumored the Usos may come back on Friday to SmackDown. Hopefully that happens. Oh, they should. Yeah, yeah they definitely should come back to SmackDown because that was their show. Yeah, they'll probably be a draft pick on the show. And I'm sure it's going to factor into something with what The Rock is doing. Uh, but let's keep going with these Hell in a Cell predictions. The next match I have is the SmackDown Women's Championship. And we got Bailey versus Charlotte Flair. I would love to see Charlotte Flair pull off the victory, but actually on the Wrestling Burrito, I told Coach Jay that I think Bailey and Sasha are both going to win their matches at Hell in a Cell. We'll you know, get into the Becky Lynch-Sasha Banks match in a little bit. And I think at a point they're also going to win the tag titles, and I think they're both going to just consider themselves like uh, Sasha and Bailey two belts at that point. But who do you got in this one? Who's fighting again? Bailey versus Charlotte. Bailey versus Charlotte. Okay, I was confused. I, I was like, "Are we? Are they doing the tag team match again?" Um, is this one for the title? Yes, it is. This is the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Uh, I feel like they're gonna just—they're gonna. I think they're just gonna keep it on Bailey. And I, 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 again, I don't think this match shouldn't necessarily be happening because I don't think Bailey should be champion. But I don't necessarily think Charlotte should win the championship. Uh, again, just now. I don't think you want to keep shoving that down everyone's throat. You're trying to make Charlotte a little more likable to the audience because she's really good. It's just they, like, they piss people off with Charlotte because they just, like, they just shove her down everyone's throat sometimes, and I get that. But I, I just like Charlotte so much that, like, I kind of, like, am more, I'm a lot more accepting of her being shoved down everyone's throat as opposed to, like, a lot of other wrestlers. Um, I still, at the end of the day, would want Charlotte to win this match. I don't think it's happening, though. I think they're going to keep it on Bailey. I think they have plans for Bailey and Sasha, and it's probably going like, to lead to like a four horse women thing later down the road. Probably WrestleMania. Yep, I was literally so, yeah. thinking that same thing. The four horse women storyline is going to come into play. WWE 2K20 is actually going to have a showcase uh, of the four horse women, so I know they're probably going to go toward that, leaning into WrestleMania. Um, because that's exactly what they do. Like they did it with Goldberg. Uh, they did it with Sting. They did it with Ultimate Warrior and all these wrestlers that they had on the 2K cover before. So it seems likely that they'll go forward with the four horsewomen. I'm sure first it's going to start off with all of them in turmoil and something is going to happen where all of them band together and fight, you know, a group of four other women, which I'm assuming will be Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, um, and Shayna Baszler's two. I always forget their names, but the two girls she runs with, um, Justin Duke and Marina Shafir. Yep, Shafir and Duke. Yep, exactly. Um, but actually, you want to know what's something that's odd about this card is there's no WWE Championship match just yet because whatever's going to happen between Lesnar and Kofi, I guess it hasn't been decided what will happen at Hell in a Cell. Maybe they'll have a screwy finish on Friday leading into a Hell in a Cell match on Sunday. Who knows? Uh, but the next match I got on the card is Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan, the pair that no one thought would you know happen. 
versus Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. And I want to go with the idea again that Rowan and Harper are actually going to take this. Where are you going with this? I would hope so. Um, for this, I, I think they should win this match. And I think it, it, it could make sense. Like this is, see, I think this is when they're okay with like Roman losing because he's got Brian with, with, uh, with him to kind of take the, that loss. A little yeah. Bit like off. they don't have that chemistry just yet, you know? So it's like something is going yeah. to happen where they obviously don't get along, but like maybe it develops like a little bit of like a, a, a bond between the two of them. Um, but, you know, Rowan and Harper already have that unmatched brotherhood, so it's easy to see them coming away with that victory. Yeah, um, I just think it's interesting that they are, it seems like they're changing Brian back into a baby face. And I don't know, I didn't want his heel run to end just yet. So um, we'll see where that goes. But I wasn't ready for that to end just yet. I think he had a lot more time left with that because he's so good at being a heel. Well, he's keeping the heel dynamic, it seems like. But, you know, obviously them pairing him with Roman is obviously them saying like, all right, well, he's like a face heel. Like he's like half and half, you know, like. Which is fine. I'd rather that than him being a full on face. Yeah, and I'm okay with that as well. Is it, you know, ideal for him? I don't think so. I think it puts him kind of in a weird, like gray area. Um, but it's working so far. So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But yeah, I, I think Rowan and Harper definitely need this victory more so than Brian and uh, Roman do. Now, moving now moving into the main events that we have, um, both of them being Hell in a Cell matches. The first Hell in a Cell match we'll probably end up seeing is Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks. I told you it earlier. I think Sasha actually pulls this off. And then her and Bailey actually both hold the title simultaneously. Um, I feel like some way, somehow, though, there will be some form of a screwy finish with this, like where Becky, or not Becky, where Bailey somehow is able to enter the, like the cell and attack or whatever the case is. I think something is going to happen where like Bailey and Charlotte may both get involved. Um, but I think Sasha will be the one to walk away with the belt in this. How about you? Yeah, I think Sasha's going to win this. She seems way too cocky lately. Like, she knows she's going to win the championship. So, I just think they're going to give it to her. I think it was, like, kind of part of the deal to keep her. Um, so, yeah, I think, because I think, like we said, they're going to build this into a storyline and everything. <clears throat> uh, Becky's had the title long enough. Um, so, yeah, they can give it to her. I want, I mean, I want uh, Becky to win this match, but um, I don't think it's going to happen. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, Sasha definitely coming away with that there in our opinion. Uh, but the final match on the card, uh, and before we wrap up this show, we'll definitely go into this. But Seth Rollins versus The Fiend Bray Wyatt. They're strapping a rocket onto The Fiend. The Fiend is definitely coming away with this victory. I don't know how this would end any other way. Like, I don't know how they would sell me on the fact that Seth Rollins cleanly walked away with this title. It is way too soon to give The Fiend a loss. Like, he's only had one match. Like, you can't have him lose a match like this. Like, I mean, he's, like, the most marketable character we have. I already told you. I think he is the person to really put The Undertaker to rest and take over that kind of role as, like, you know, the phenomenon of WWE. So, I'm going with The Fiend Bray Wyatt. Where are you at with this? Honestly, I don't know why. I just think they're going to have Seth win this. I just, I don't know. Um, I, I think they, they just, it seems like they love Seth so much and they just want to push him as this babyface champion so badly. 
And man, I, I would I'm ready for Seth to turn back into a heel. I don't know if he ever can again, quite honestly. I think he might be in too deep uh, as a face. Um, but I, as much as it makes the most, it only makes sense for the Fiend to win this match, and I think he should win this match. I just have this bad feeling that Seth is going to win, and like no one's going to be into it, man. Like no one wants that. Um, it it seems very tone deaf if Seth wins, um, and that's the kind of stuff that like is making Seth uh, not so great babyface. It's it's the it's the over the top stuff with him. It's the you know he's it's just it becomes a little cliche where he's just like this you know I don't know he's just too much of a good guy and he's a bit corny and. Um, says things he, he maybe shouldn't say sometimes and like a lot of the times and um it's it's it, we don't need Seth to, to keep going on as champion but I think WWE thinks that he he should be a continuous champion to make him an even stronger champion I I don't know ultimately what their angle is here but I just I'm gonna stick to my prediction say Seth is winning this if Seth wins this I think it ruins everything they built with the fiend but we're going we're going to end it on that note. We'll leave the people thinking, you know, let the people reach out to us. Um, but that concludes the first ever episode of um, the Imano Talk show. Uh, you know, this is the wrestling side of things, people. You know, I definitely appreciate everybody who decided to, you know, subscribe, rate, or even just listen to the show. Uh, Kev, thank you for joining me. You know, I'm very excited for everything this week has to hold for wrestling. I mean, you and I have been wrestling fans for as far as we can remember pretty much at this point. And to know the entire landscape of wrestling is changing once again. I mean, we get to witness history as it unfolds. Uh, but once again, thank you, everybody. Be sure to follow on social media. That would be at Imanotalk, E-M-A-N-O-T-A-L-K. And, you know, once again, make sure that on all major podcast platforms, you're subscribing, rating, reviewing, interact with us even. You know, we want to know what you're thinking. We want to know your thoughts on the topics we discuss. We want to know who you think is going to win matches or what kind of hot takes you got on the future of wrestling. You know, we're always open to the discussion. We're never enclosed to just Kevin and I. By all means, reach out to us. We're here for that. But Kev, you want to leave the people off with anything? Just thanks for listening, and um, yeah, keep up with uh, with Danny on social media, and um, hope to, that you guys uh, keep tuning in. Yeah, absolutely, but we're calling it a night over here. Everybody enjoy the week in wrestling. Once again, history's to be made, but yeah, thank you for tuning on in. Everybody have yourselves a great day.